Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. Again, so glad you made it here today this beautiful Sunday morning to your neighbor and just say, man, I am so glad you're here. It's always good to be in the house, the house of God. I love that. How many of you enjoyed that children's video? Isn't that a good video? Man, that was, a, that, that was really good. Um, we are, we're blessed to be a part of is one of my favorite weekends. Uh, how many of you have been here the last few days, or at least Friday night, maybe Saturday? Okay, uh, some of us. Uh, I, I, this message is, I, I kind of rewrote it this morning, and I just kind of, I just want to be faithful to what I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying to us as a community as we move into 2023. But the big theme, if you haven't been here over the last few uh, days, nights, that really the Holy Spirit's been speaking to us is that God wants to do new things in us. Can I get an amen? So new things. Well, we, 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 we believe that if you want it, how many of you want freedom? How many want new things if you want that? Uh, we believe new, new relationships can happen. We believe new thinking can happen in your life. I, I believe that God can give you new desires. Uh, I believe that God can take the toxic desires that have deformed you and he can make you whole again. Wow, that is good news. God can give you new rhythms, give you a new power, new strength, new habits. Some of you have been thinking about for some time, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. I wish I could be closer to Jesus. Why not this year? So new things, like new power, new joy, new peace. How many of you want new joy, new peace, as opposed to living in despair and anxiety and depression, right? We believe that God can do a miraculous work in your neurochemistry and in the materiality of your body and make you new and whole. God can give us new perspective. And so that's what we have been talking about over the last few weeks. Benny Perez uh, read out of Isaiah 43. And as Shane mentioned, I'm going to uh, focus on that just for a little bit before we get into our, our teaching passage, passages here today. But Isaiah 43, 18 through 19 says this, um, remember not the former things. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Shall you now perceive it. So here's the thing, as Benny talked about it, how many of you were here Friday night? It was really good. Uh, here we have this passage, the Isianic Herald telling us that we should not remember the past, or excuse me, we should remember the past, but we should not relive it. God wants to redemptively work in the negative details of your story and your history and your narrative. I'm going to get to that here pretty quick. Many of us, I think, um, don't find the freedom that God wants for us because we rehearse all the negative stuff in our life. And because we rehearse those things, we see everything through that filter and we're unable to enter into the life that God has for us. If you want to increase your capacity for God, how many of you want to increase your capacity for God this year? If you want to increase your capacity for love and you want to increase your capacity for new things, you have to let go of the former things. And the Isaiah 
Deanna Carroll says, then behold, behold is a command. If we want to enter into new things this year, some of you, I need you to help me here today. If you want to enter into the new things this year in 2023, you have to behold. Jesus is commanding us. Capital Church. He's saying today, guys, if you want it, I'm going to give you new things. Right? New things. But you have to want it, right? And behold, that word is, a, is kind of a funny word. It's a, it's a seeing word. It's like, behold, see. And it, 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 it intimates surprise. So what, what would you do if an elephant just, just out of the blue, as I'm preaching, just walked right across the stage? You know what I would say? I would stop. I would pause. And I would say, behold. <laughs> a new thing has happened here today. And whoever's responsible for this, I'm, they're fired. <laughs> right? So that's, that's, this is what the Holy Spirit is saying to Capital Church in 2023. He's commanding us. It's a command. Which implies that you cannot, you can, you can come to the point where you don't behold. Right? You can do the opposite of beholding and seeing what God wants to do. You can, you can live in a state of deception wherein you have an inability to see what God is doing right in front of your face. And I want us as a church to see the good things that God has for us. So one of the greatest things, so this year, God wants to do new things. In, and this is, this is just my theme this morning, in your desires, in your longings, in your feels, in your emotions, in the way you think about yourself, the way you think about the world. God wants to give you new habits, new rhythms, new perspective. He wants to give you fresh dreams. He wants to do a fresh work in you. However, one of the greatest hindrances to new things and to the reality of Jesus and his work in our lives is found in John chapter five. I just want to read this really quick. And thank you, Dee, for reading this teaching passage. But it's a fascinating interchange between Jesus and this man. And it goes like this. Now, the feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Beseda, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man, everyone say one man. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. When the water is stirred up and while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once, everyone say at once. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So Jesus asked him the question, do you want to be made well? How many of you want to be made well this year? The man, interestingly, doesn't answer the question of Jesus, right? Many preachers suggest that when they preach this message that the man didn't want to be made well. I don't think that's the case. I think this man wants to be whole. However, Jesus, who is the author of life, standing right in front of him, the man looks straight into the face of Jesus and says, um, well, I... Uh, I've been doing this for 38 years. I've been sitting by the pool for 38 years. I've been going to church for a long time. I've prayed and God hasn't answered. 
I've been working on this addiction and nothing's ever happened. I can't break this addiction. For 38 years, every time the pool is stirred, someone gets in front of me and I'm not able to get into the pool. What is he doing? Well, this man, in his response to, to Jesus, is saying that he sees all of reality and even Jesus himself through the filter of his personal history. How many times do we do this, right? We, Jesus is right, what if I was to tell you Jesus is right here in every dream, every promise he wants to make true in your life right now? My God, you guys would be throwing chairs right now. You'd be acting like real Pentecostals, doing stuff. And we had to be like waving flags, doing the fire tunnel, all that kind of stuff, which we will never bring back. Never, never. But if Jesus said, I want to make you well right now, I just, I'm going to be honest with your pastor, I think many of us, our first response is, no, I, it's not that, oh, I don't want to be well, it's that we first go to, well, it's been a long time, I've, I've tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. See, I think many of you here today, when we hear stuff like new creation, God wants to give you new desires, he wants to make all things new in you, you know what we do? We automatically default to all the negative right. stuff in our history. Yeah. And so what we do is that we judge our lives. Am I the only one that's ever experienced this? Come on, some of you need to help me preach this morning, okay? Some of us, we judge our lives based on a moment, based on a, a really bad season, based on maybe our personal history and stories. When we see in this beautiful passage that Jesus is calling this man out of his personal history of 38 years of sickness and trying, Jesus is standing right in front of him and basically saying, hey, doesn't even answer the man or address the question of his personal history. Jesus, there could have been a conversation, but Jesus simply says, get up, take up your mattress and walk. I think that's what Jesus is saying to the church in the Western world. We've been sitting by the pool of Shalom. We know God loves us, but we also know we're not well. And there's this dissonance between what we know God wants for us and what we're actually living in our lives. And we're sitting by this pool of shalom. And when Jesus is coming to the church, many people for years and years and years have said, well, Jesus, you don't understand my history. I tried to get well. I've tried to break this addiction. I've tried to get emotionally healthy. I've tried to overcome this depression. I've tried to enter into your peace, but nothing has ever happened. I think we're now entering into a season where Jesus is looking to the church and saying, hey guys, I am here. Get up, take up your mattress and walk. In other words, and this is just a prophetic moment. We do things differently on this weekend. But I'm just saying as your pastor in a very prophetic way, now is the time. Now is the time. Get up, take your mattress, let God deal with your stuff, all that junk in the trunk, right? Stuff. All your stuff, all the nasties, all the dirt, all the trauma, all the sin, let Jesus bring healing to your life. This year is the year for healing. 
So we can never judge our lives based on a season or a moment. We have to judge our lives. And this is just, I'm kind of translating what Benny talked about Friday night. We have to judge our lives based on what Jesus has spoken over us. And what does Jesus speak over his sons and daughters? He speaks freedom. The question that the Holy Spirit, I believe, is speaking to not only our church, but the church around the world is, guys, do you want to be made well? Because I'm here. I wish you would help me preach this morning, but that's all right. I can't wait for second service. I'm kidding. I love you guys so much more. Don't tell them, right? All those youths, you know, and all their excitement and immaturity. You guys are so mature and quiet. Okay. Here's the thing. We can't, and I think many times we do this, we see reality through the filter of our personal histories. And that keeps us from walking in freedom. Here's the thing. We can't see Jesus through the filter of all the negative details of our lives. And I think so many times we exaggerate all the negative stuff and we make it bigger than the author of life. Okay, so what's bigger? And I get it because it's your history. I get it. There's a lot of emotional baggage and trauma and drama. I get it. I get it. We all have it. But if we're not careful, we can so exaggerate all that stuff that we lose sight of how big God is is. And then what do we do? We kind of just play little mental intellectual tricks and they're largely unconscious, but we, we start to downgrade the status of Jesus when we only see three things through the filter of our emotional stuff, right? And it begins to color our perception of life. And so we come to church and everyone else is getting healed. Everyone else is getting whole, but we're just sitting by the pool of Shalom, right? We come to church every single Sunday. We don't get healed. Why is that? It could be the case that we've downgraded the status of Jesus to a mere teacher of homespun wisdom. Jesus is a really good teacher or Jesus is in an abstract way kind of out there floating around in the universe and he wants to do good things in our life. And we downgrade his status to something that does not reflect who he is. Jesus, we find in John chapter 5, is the one who was sovereign over bodies, over time, over post-mortem states. Jesus says that the Father has granted to the Son to have life in himself. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm the author of life. What? Think of the full range of what what that statement means. Could you imagine if I came up one Sunday and said, I'm the author of life? Number one, you should leave the church. (laughs) Jesus is no mere man. And so many times we just, we kind of downgrade his status. We exaggerate our problems and our stuff. And we forget that Jesus is the one who is over all things. I've been saying this for probably the last four weeks, but Jesus is the one who fired the cosmos into being. The vast, stupefyingly huge cosmos. It's through the words of Jesus that it came into existence. Jesus is the one who stretches out the skies and he is the one who specializes in doing brand new things in us. 
And I believe Jesus is standing before our church today and saying, guys, I'm here. It's time to get up. It's time to pick up your mattresses. It's time to not just sit around. And I want you to embrace the life that I have for you. So what is that life? What is that life? And I want to pray for you here pretty soon. That life is called freedom. God wants to give you freedom. Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants to give you freedom, homeboy. You didn't have to say homeboy. That was just whatever. I feel fiery this morning. God wants to give you freedom. And come on, come on. How many of you, you woke up this morning and you said, I just want to be enslaved to inferior voices? I love Shane's uh, little wonderful prophetic moment. Whatever that was, that was pretty amazing. I was in it. I'm like, man, I know exactly your routine in the morning, homeboy. I love that. I'm calling everybody homeboy now, like, like, like I'm 32 again. Um, I just, we, we didn't wake up this morning and tell ourselves, I really want to be depressed and I really want to have a problem with greed and materialism and lust and I really want to be proud and I really want to have a horrible relationship with my spouse and I want my kids to be messed up. No, 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 we, we don't wake up thinking that way. What do, we want freedom from all of that, right? We want freedom from all the ways in which, in which we are enslaved to things that keep us from the purposes of God. However, many of us feel or our, our experiences are defined and shaped by a freedom that's elusive, right? We can't enter into that freedom. Why is that? I want to talk about that and then I'm going to pray for us because God is going to set people free this morning. Some of you have been struggling with depression. I, I really believe that God's going to come into your neurochemistry and bring healing to your mind and even your body. Some of you have really bad toxic habits. I don't know what they might be, but I see God healing you in a profound and deep transformative way this morning. Healing is in the house. Please hear me. Behold it. I, I'm talking, I, I got, I'm, I'm going to stay here until I know that you believe me. I can't move on until you believe that the power of Jesus is here to heal you right now in this moment. God can set into motion whatever he wants to set into motion in your life. Do you believe it? Well, I've been coming to church for 38 years, homeboy. And I, I've tried, or I prayed, and I prayed and prayed and prayed, and God hasn't answered. Well, here's the thing. You can rehearse and relive all the negative details of your personal history, or you can say, God, I'm going to just, I'm going to step out, and I'm going to believe that Jesus, you're my healer, yes. that I'm not going to downgrade your status. I'm not going to think of you just as a mere teacher, but I believe this morning that you are the author of life, that you're sovereign over brains and bodies. You're sovereign over human history. You're sovereign over relationships. You're sovereign over faulty emotions. You're, you're sovereign over our interacting duality of spirit and um, uh, embodied life, all the stuff that makes us us. You're sovereign over all of it. And if you say that you want to heal me, I'm going to put my trust in you. But let's be honest, can you will yourself into that? No. Right? Some of you are like, ah, oh, okay. Trust 
in the Lord. Okay, I'm trusting, right? And that might work for like five minutes and you have a feeling of trust and then all of a sudden you leave this building and all hell breaks loose. Your kids are fighting like chickens and you, you, you go to Goodwood and they give you the wrong whatever uh, food, meal, and you lose your mind and then something happens to your team today that wish... <laughs> When it happened, you start crying. Anyways, let's just move on, right? Like so many times, like we, we, we can trust for a little bit, but when we go outside, maybe a church experience like this, we find trust really hard. Okay, so how do we enter into trust? How do we experience freedom? Well, we got to begin with understanding that many times our embodied lives or our bodies conspire against our deepest desires. So what does that mean? Imbo what, what, what's our bodies? What's your embodied life, which consists of neural pathways and dopamine and habits and desires and longings, and our bodies many times can take on a life of their own. Have you ever experienced this before? So we want to pray. We come into this like prayer worship weekend and we make a commitment to pray for an entire year and we end up praying for only four days straight. So we want to pray, but many times we find legitimate excuses not to. Or we, we don't want to be resentful in our life. We don't want to see through with resentment. We don't want to be defined by frustrations. But our, our lives or we find ourselves in bondage to the power of resentment. Or we want ecstatic joy, which we all know that Jesus has promised us. But we live in a world of chronic depression that squashes, squashes joyfulness. And so we live by fear. We live by anxiety. We live by depression. Stress is the dominant thing that defines us. How do we ex experience the freedom that God has for us? How do we overcome this dichotomy? Well, Jesus tells Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane, it's a passage we did not read. You can find this in Mark chapter 14, that the spirit is willing. Everyone say the spirit is willing. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is, the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. So Peter, who's Peter? Good guy, bad guy. Not a trick question. Good guy, bad guy? Good guy, bad guy? Come on. He's a good guy. Some of you are not answering the question, okay? Answer the question. He's a good guy. In fact, he's Jesus' number one disciple. You can't get closer to Jesus than Peter. And yet, what do we find Peter doing? Well, we'll say it like this. Peter is, he's the guy that loves Jesus. He's the guy that has a dog. He comes to church. He's always at pre-service prayer. He's the one that's always praying for you. He's always on fire. He has authority, right? He's close to Jesus. That's Peter. If we were to contemporize it, right? He is close to Jesus. He is Jesus's number one disciple. But even Peter struggles with the flesh. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. There's like five people that fully understand this dynamic here, right? And we all understand the dissonance between our deepest desires and our strongest desires. So his body, Peter, we talked about the bundle of emotions and habits and desires in this story moves him away from God's good purposes. So Peter's a good guy. What does he do? Well, we find that he, instead of praying, he sleeps, right? Jesus comes to him over and over and over and says, Peter, it's an invitation. Peter, come and pray with me. 
Not only is Jesus inviting Peter into prayer, Jesus inviting Peter into friendship. Guys, Jesus just wanted to have a friend. Jesus is experiencing incredible torment in this moment. And all Jesus wants is a friend and Peter can't even be a friend to Jesus. Think about that. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. Peter then, um, of course Peter would do this. He cut off an ear of a servant. We didn't read this or we haven't read this. Um, also, we find that all the disciples run away from uh, Jesus. And then finally, in the passage, we find this in Mark chapter 14, Peter betrays Jesus three times. Tells three different people that he didn't even know him. So Peter understands the dynamic of the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. So Peter, Peter's deepest desire was to follow Jesus, but it was his strongest desires that betrayed him. And we all experience this. Can I get an amen? Yes. Not, this is a word not just for all the other Baptist churches out there or the Episcopalian churches out there, right? This is a word for every son and daughter. We have deep desires that God has planted into our heart. We want to live righteously. We want joy, we want peace, but we also find that sometimes our body, our habits, our neural pathways betray us. They take on a life of their own. So how do we short circuit that? And I'm gonna pray for us today. How does God transform, and this is just kind of my little thesis of this little tiny sermonette here today. How does God transform our strongest desires wherein our deepest desires for love, joy, service, wholeness become our strongest desires? How does that transformation take place? Well, we find this in Luke chapter four, verse one. It reads this. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, everyone say full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Verse 14 says, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and a report about went, about, went out through all the surrounding country and he was filled with the power of God. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. So this story is bracketed by Jesus being filled with the Spirit. And then verse 14, what happens? Jesus returns in the power of the Spirit. There's, in a way, we could call this unlimited freedom. So what happened to Jesus? How did he go from full of the Spirit to empowered by the Spirit. How many of you want to be empowered by the Spirit this year? That's freedom. What's freedom? It's being empowered by the Spirit to overcome inferior voices that lead us away from God so that you can walk out God's good purposes of righteousness, peace, and joy. Wherein you begin to see the new things that God intends and dreams for you in 2023. Guys, God is going to do a brand new work in this church. God's going to do a new work in families. God, some of you, I, just, I feel like I need to say this. God's going to do a, he's going to breathe new life into your organization. He's going to bring, breathe new life into your place of work. He's going to breathe new life into your thinking and into your perspective. How does he do that? Well, Jesus had to go to the wilderness. Jesus had to go 
to the wilderness to be empowered by the Spirit. So, many of us, when we think of Jesus going to the wilderness, we assume that Jesus is being led by the Spirit to go to a place of absolute weakness. In fact, in the ancient world, the wilderness was a symbol of a place of haunts. In other words, Jesus was being led by the Spirit to the wilderness to confront a spiritual power. But before he confronts the spiritual power, Jesus prepares himself. In other words, the wilderness is not a place of weakness. The wilderness is a place of strength for Jesus. Jesus goes to the wilderness to what? To prepare himself for spiritual confrontation. It is the place of Jesus's greatest strength. Jesus, in other words, gets away, he prays, and he fasts for 40 days. And only then, after fasting and praying for 40 days, does the Satan show up. So guys, many of us think that Jesus is like just totally at his weakest point when the devil comes up to tempt him. No. The devil is unable to come to Jesus until the right time. Jesus for 40 days, like an athlete, is preparing himself for the spiritual confrontation. It is through fasting, it is through prayer, it is through solitude, and it's through his reliance on the Holy Spirit that Jesus was able to defeat the Satan. How do we overcome this dissonance in our life where the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak? How does God transform our deepest desires and turn them into our strongest desires? How do we live a life filled with new things? We have to practice the way of Jesus. We have to really believe that there are, that our, our, the physical embodied habits and rhythms that we adopt as we follow Jesus really do matter. That practicing solitude really does matter. Getting away from all the distractions really do matter. Spending time in prayer and relying on the Holy Spirit really do, does, I'll say it this way, does matter in our lives. Your great, if it's the greatest strength of Jesus to go to the wilderness and to be in solitude so that he could be with his father and that he could be empowered by the Holy Spirit, if that is true for Jesus, how much more so is it true for us? Guys, willpower enough or willpower alone is not enough. Not enough. Solitude and these rhythms of being with Jesus and getting away eats willpower for lunch. Man, our strength, guys, does not reside in our capacity to believe in belief and just to come on a Sunday and lift up our hands and listen to a nice word and then hope something happens in the week. No, Sundays are designed 
to encounter the living God. We come and encounter the living God. He empowers us. He fills us with those deep desires and longings. And then what happens? We then have a responsibility throughout the week to give ourselves to these practices because that is where it's in the practices where we learn to rely on the Holy Spirit. It's in the practices. I know it sounds so, so counterintuitive, but it's in the practices where we discipline ourselves to simply be with Jesus and to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit that we find freedom in our lives. Am I preaching too hard this morning? That's where we find freedom. Here's the thing. Many of us think that Jesus, okay, this is how he overcame temptation. Jesus, the story kind of goes like this. People riff. Okay. We usually think this unconsciously when we think about Jesus. Throughout his ministry, he went to the wilderness. He defeated the devil, overcame all the temptations, went to the cross, was able to do what he did, uh, was able to heal, was able to do all the miraculous things that Jesus did in his ministry because, he, because somehow he tapped into his God card. Right? So we believe that Jesus is fully God, fully man, right? How many of you say that's good theology? Fully God, fully man. The hypostatic union, right? Two dual natures, God, Jesus, that is, is fully God and fully man. Yet what Jesus never did one time, and which many people assume that he did, is that when he encountered Satan and when he had to perform a miracle or a healing, somehow he tapped into his divine status or his divine prerogatives and then he was somehow he was able to get those incommunicable attributes, which only God has. He's omniscient, omnipresent, omnipowerful. He's able to tap into that, use that to defeat the Satan and to do wonderful things. Jesus never did that once. Jesus never tapped into his God card. What did he, what did he do? He tapped into the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus is our example Acts 10 says, the Holy Spirit anointed Jesus, right? And he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. What was the source of Jesus's ministry in life? It was the Holy Spirit. It wasn't his divinity and he's fully divine. It wasn't his divine status and all the divine prerogatives that he certainly could have tapped into, but he chose not to so he could show you and I the way into freedom. See, here's the thing. Many people think, okay, Jesus is God. I can't do what Jesus did. Stop it. That, that's just a bad perspective. No. Jesus did what he did to show us that we could also do what he did because he did not call out his God card. He learned to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. So the transition from being full of the Holy Spirit to being empowered by the Holy Spirit was that Jesus went to the wilderness. He practiced solitude. He got away, he got away from the distraction and he learned to rely on the Holy Spirit. The weekly rhythms of solitude and getting away are, I have to say, are absolutely essential 
to walk in the freedom that God has for you. Okay, I'm, I, I'm getting on my soapbox here. We usually pray, God, get me out of the way. I surrender all. You do it all. And we wait. Where are you, God? Right? Yes, that is true. Guys, freedom is all God. The freedom that we experience comes from God. We are graced to have freedom. Right? So every good gift comes from God without any variation or shadow of turning. So everything comes from God. But guys, we also have a responsibility to participate with what God is doing in our life. Paul says this, I worked harder than everybody else, but it wasn't me, it was God. My question is, Paul, what was it? Was it you or was it God? And I think Paul would answer, yes. Yes, it's all God. What happened to me was all God, all grace, all him, all mercy, all love, all power. But I think he also would say it was all me. That he, and he learned to participate in the life of the spirit. And when he learned to rely on the Holy Spirit, God's power took over. Paul did what he was able to do because of the power of the Holy Spirit. So how do we walk in freedom? Well, we have to create a space where every distraction is removed. I think we have to do this on a weekly basis. What do we call this? What do the ancients call this? They call this solitude. Solitude. What is solitude? Is solitude going up in the mountains and camp, camping, getting away from everything for a couple months? No. Is it going in the backyard, camping, getting away? I mean, if you want, you can certainly do that. What is solitude? Solitude is, there's a lot of different ways to interpret it. I know some ancient fathers and mothers might disagree with this, but I think this is our starting point. This is what I want us to practice this week. And even throughout this month and even into this, this new year, we have to learn to tune out all the distractions in our life. What is solitude? Solitude is removing the noise. This is what I recommend. I recommend that you take one day out of your week and you just, you get away. How do you get away? Get off screens. Get off socials. Don't watch one thing on TV. Some of you are like, you're like, you're twitching right now. You're like, how? Guys, we're distracting ourselves to death. What, what, what do we need more than anything? We need solitude. That doesn't mean loneliness and poverty and like, ah, oh, got to go up in the mountains and become a monk. That's what Chris told me. Solitude is removing the distracting voices. This is what I recommend. Just take a whole day. Put your phone down. You know you touch your phone about 120 times? Pickups. Look at your phone in the screen time. Most of you average about seven hours a day on your phone. It's funny with my kids. I've shared the story and I'm going to close it. I need to pray. Is it okay? We just, just we're almost done here. The, the dynamic with my kids is interesting. They fight like chickens and I love them. But we have seven kids and there's all of these competing desires, right? 
And so we have a tendency to have some fights. It could be the wild name. I don't know what it is. Gosh darn kids. My frustration as a parent is when I want to say something really important and significant to them, many times they're so distracted by their competing desires and the noise of all the fighting and all the different stuff that they cannot hear me. So what do I have to do? I have to raise my voice because I'm a good father and I'm a redhead, so I have some temper issues. <laughs> I don't lose it. Okay, some of you judged me. I don't, come on, right? I don't lose it. I just kind of raise my voice a little bit. And I, get, I go, guys, be quiet. Listen to dad. They all calm down. And when they're quiet and they're not distracted, they then can hear me speak. I really, guys, I really believe that we can't hear God speak, not because God is not speaking. It's because we're not listening. The reason why we're not walking in freedom is because our freedom is bound up in our ability and capacity to hear God speak. And when we can't hear God speak, we can't live out the freedom that he has for us. And if we can't hear God speak, if we can't see what God is doing, good luck with experiencing new things this year. Can I get an amen? God wants to do new things. God today is making healing available for us. But guess what? He's asking for our full participation. Full participation. Some of us, again, you're like, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. So do you mean that I have to do like, like five hours every day praying and reading and fasting? Do I need to do a 40-day fast? No. I think we just start with you take one day out of your week and you just cut out everything. And you spend a little time in prayer, a little time in reading your word, and just see what happens. I guarantee that God will speak to you in ways you can't even imagine. And you know what's interesting? When you really try to be good and you try to do things and you try to discipline yourself, guess what happens? You begin to realize how bad you are. Some of you think you're really good. And I, I hate to break it. You're not. Break it. This is newsflash. Some of you, no, I'll say, all of us suck. And the, the problem and the deception is we don't think we do. When we really learn the practice of solitude, we come before God. Guess what happens? Some things will come up. You begin to realize, oh man, there's some, there's some stuff I need to deal with. And it's in that moment, in that place of solitude, that healing and freedom takes place. And God turns your life right side up. Here's the thing, as I close, and I'm gonna pray for you. Are you with me? I know this is a really simple message, but I think this is just absolutely essential for us to, we have to grasp this, we have to get this. This is a foundation piece for experiencing the new things that God has for us. I think the greatest hindrance, in addition to what we talked about earlier, about rehearsing our personal stories when it comes to freedom, greatest hindrance to the freedom that God wants to give us is our bondage. Everyone say bondage. Our bondage to feeling good. I've just realized that if you want to grow, everyone say grow. Growth requires you getting out of your comfort. Growth requires challenge. 
Growth requires, come on somebody, growth requires some conviction. Growth requires, Jesus said it. Guys, if you want to follow me, you want to be my apprentice, guess what? You got to pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. So this is the counterintuitive, upside down nature of the kingdom of God. If you want to feel good, sometimes you're not going to feel good. If you really want to experience all that I have for you, you're going to have to be okay with getting out of your comfort. You got to be okay with being stretched. You have to be okay with being frustrated at times. You got to be okay with some good old fashioned conviction. You got to be okay with stretching and trouble at times and denying yourself and doing things that you really don't want to do. But when you learn the art of doing things you don't want to do, that is practice solitude. Be with Jesus. Cut some things out. That is where the freedom is. That's where the power of God is. That's where the life of Jesus is. That's where all the goodness is. That is where the new things are. And everyone said amen. 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 Bow your heads, close your eyes. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you for freedom. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.